Welcome to The Bridge, fun conversations on culture, life, and everything in between. Welcome to The Bridge. We are a show that connects East and West. My name is Jason. I'm originally from California, and now I'm living in beautiful Beijing. Today with me is Baby. Hi. Find us where you get your podcasts. If you like the show, then consider pushing the like button or giving us five stars. Suggestions, comments, anything you would like to share, email us at welovethebridge at gmail.com. We love the bridge. And we have a special guest today. Jelena Miller from New York, who grew up in a military family. So actually, she lived all over the world. Mm. She studied international studies and linguistics and has been living in Beijing since 2016. I thought you'd lived here earlier than that. And currently, you are a fourth grade teacher at a bilingual school in Chaoyang. Yes. Hello, everyone. Hi. <laughs> hi, Jelena. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the bridge. I'm so excited. Thank you. Yeah, we have a guest who has been all over the world. I'm so interested in hearing more about your experiences. Actually, you know, why don't we start with that before we get into the topic? Jelena, could you tell us a little bit about where in the world you did live as your family moved around the world? Okay, so I lived in the States. I moved to a couple of different states in the States. And in 2002, we moved to Japan, Okinawa, Japan. And I kind Mm. of grew up there. So I lived there from 2002 to 2008. Wow. And I came back to the States to finish my last two years of high school. And I went to college, studied abroad in France. Wow. After graduating college, moved to Spain. Wow. What? And moved to China. So <laughs> it sounds like it sounds that there are like no different languages around the world. I'm just going to go to Japan for like <laughs> middle school. And then I might head to France after college. Yes. And why not Spain <laughs> for a few years? And then here in China, did you have to study all these languages or they just came? Well, I would say more naturally to In you? Japan, since I was a kid, I arrived there when I turned 10. So I wasn't really serious about learning Japanese. Hmm. So I learned mm. some of the language. I can write it. But currently right now, mm. I can't speak as much as I could before. But my goal after mm. that was to learn languages seriously. And I wanted to learn all of the languages of the United what? Nations because I thought I wanted to work for them. So that's why I went to France and Spain mm. and China. So did you learn, like, let's say uh, France. Mm-hmm. Did you study French before you went? Or you study when you went there? I studied a little bit of French in college before. I took a semester mm. and I thought that was oh. helpful. I thought that would mm. be helpful when I moved to France. But, but not so much? No, not so much. <laughs> not really? No. Do you speak Spanish or French? Yes, I can. A conversation. Wow. Very impressive, Jelena. <laughs> with me. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so like Japan, I mean, I, 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 I love traveling there. I love Japanese stationery. Oh, yes. Um, you studied there, I guess, for part of primary school, primary school, middle school. Yeah. And were you studying in a local school or like a more like an international school? It's similar to an international school. So all the classes Uh are in Uh English. Um, but like while you were in Japan, you there, I guess, plenty of opportunities for you to mingle with local kids. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. And travel. Yeah. Um, wow. Travel, not so much. That's... My parents were very mm. strict. They wouldn't even let me <laughs> leave the base most mm. of the time. Oh, really? Yes. Uh, okay. What states in the United States did you live in? Because you mentioned more than one state. Um, New York, of course. 
Virginia wow. and North Carolina. East Coast all. Mm. All the East Coast. Yeah, I've never been to the West Coast. But you've you actually traveled around a lot because I remember seeing you skydiving in photos. Yes, in Dubai. In Dubai. Was that like a rebellion from your parents' strict upbringing? <laughs> Once I'm out of the nest, I'm going skydiving. <laughs> what did your parents actually, think of it? <laughs> the funny thing is, skydiving that was it was a late reward for me graduating high school mm. so the day of my graduation mm. i i was talking to my mom and said i should do something grand like skydiving mm. and my mom was so emotionally happy she's like yeah you what? should and i told her you should come with me and she said i would <laughs> and that was back in really? 2010 and so i remembered uh. that until i think i went skydiving 2017 2018 mm. And I told her, you promised me you would go with me. So. <laughs> wow. Uh, I can't even imagine what my mom would say. If I like say one day, I'm just going to call my mom and say, hi, mom, I'm going skydiving. Mm -hmm. I think she'll be mm -hmm. like silent for a whole minute and say like, what? <laughs> why, why, why would who, you do who that? Are my, you? my brother went skydiving. Yeah. Jelena, how many times did you go? I went once in Dubai and once in the mm -hmm. States. So one more time. And then after that, you can jump without... In not in tandem, by yourself, right? It's five times? Oh, it's five times. I thought yes. it was three. What? My, my brother did it in Nevada for, for okay. the company. And he did three. But I guess maybe it's because all through the same company. He did three and three tandem. And then he went for his fourth by himself. And then he was like, okay, I've finished. And your mom was like, okay, that's it. That out of your system. <laughs> done, done. <laughs> so I totally see this adventurous side to you jelena yes and also how did you um how did you arrive in china is is it one of your stops or you know would you like to stay longer um how i got here i was in spain and my little brother yeah. was about to start college he was in the process of applying and my mom was a little bit nervous mm -hmm. about him getting into a good school because his academics are not as good mm -hmm. as um, ours so she asked me to come home to help mm -hmm. him apply to a good school mm. and help him with his applications. While I was in the States, I found mm. a job that I didn't like because mm. I didn't really like being in the States. I wanted to be out traveling. So after a few- It's interesting. Right. Mm. Because you, you mentioned, you, you seem like you want to travel the world, but given the short amount of time that you've actually lived in the States, wouldn't living in the States almost be like traveling to somewhere you haven't been? <laughs> it, it, that, it would seem like that if my mom didn't live in the same place that Wait. she's lived uh, in for the past oh, 10 years yeah. or so. Will she be happy listening to this? <laughs> <laughs> She probably would roll her eyes and shake her head. <laughs> How many siblings do you have? I'm one of wow. four. Me too. Oh, okay. Yeah, that that's also fine. <laughs> so how yeah? How did you um yes um, end up in China? No. Well, I was miserable in the states, and my mom she looked at me. She said, "I know you want to leave the country, so find a job." <laughs> and the first job I found was teaching English in China mm. for Disney. For Disney, and I. Huh. Disney, Disney English. Oh, and that's how I met Jason, oh. actually. Yeah, yeah. Disney English. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Mm. I didn't even know at the time that Disney had this type of subsector. Mm. So I just tried it out and I've been here ever since. How many years has it? Like eight, no, six years? Six years. Uh, are you learning Chinese? Uh, not in a, I don't take classes or anything, but every day. Mm. I feel like it's a lesson. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess. We just um, had a show mm -hmm. about Chinese idioms uh, the other day with Jason. I yeah. mean, there's so many. Mm. Like, 
Oh, you don't even know where to start. Um, but I guess we can always start with, you know, things we use on a, a daily basis. Well, Just one step at a time. You know, yeah. actually, that's exactly what t- the today's topic is, is markers that we've integrated into another culture. And so Bebe oh. has been pointing out for the last few weeks with me, oh, you use a Shuebe. Oh, that's very Chinese of you. <laughs> or, you know, you do this other thing. That's very Chinese of you. So I wanted to talk about what are the markers, Bebe and Jelena, mm. that show that someone has transitioned from we'll start with china from total foreigner yeah total foreigner to you're starting to pass for chinese like mm. <laughs> so we have the shui bait that means carrying a water bottle around with you instead of using plastic cups or paper cups you carry your own mm-hmm. permanent bottle with you that has your water in it i would yes. say another one is drinking yeah. hot water frequently yeah well so jason yeah. are, Absolutely. are you used to drinking warm or hot water now no i haven't crossed that marker yet i still i'm no. i have ice cubes in the fridge my wife yells at me often i wouldn't say yes uh, my wife tell <laughs> ins- insists that that's not a healthy habit if you don't if you drink cold mm. water you're you're in a, your immune system this and your hairline that and like uh i'll just have ice <laughs> yeah because you're so but i i um partially believe in it maybe more than partially um i heard this from a chinese doctor and he was saying how, especially, you know, in, in, like in the past, there were, I heard few cases of um, allergy. Mm-hmm. Like when I was little, it was like no one that I knew mm-hmm. had any symptoms of allergy. It was commonly known that for uh, Chinese people who go to the States, after two or three years, they will start um, having allergy in the spring. Oh. And one of the doctor's theories, the Chinese doctor theory, is that because of the cold, all the cold water that people used to drink in the States. I mean, it's so not in line with our normal body temperature. So it's um, it's almost it can be a shock to your uh, the like the linings of your intestines or other whatever tubes we have um, that, the you know, the cold water would touch upon. And that my my understanding of what he said was that my it helped to break certain barriers. And then we would start absorbing things that we wouldn't normally absorb. Uh, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be argumentative. I usually just let this pass, but I'm going to go for it today. Mm-hmm. So sure. if we lived in nature still and we hadn't built houses mm-hmm. and things, we would go mm-hmm. to a creek or a river and that water would be, you know, icy cold because that's the way it is in nature. So isn't drinking mm-hmm. icy cold water the natural way to consume I guess- water? Not that cold, unless you're like in living in the Arctic. Now, maybe their system is more adapted. In California, the, the the rivers are cold. Like if you go to camping or like in the end up mm. in the mountains, the, the the water is like ice cold, cold, even in the Wouldn't summer. They heat it up? No, in the summer, the water is still coming out of the mountains, out of the springs, and it's still very cold. Mm. So it's the it's the natural way to drink water, baby. I, I wouldn't <laughs> say like icy cold because like the like say you get a bottle of Coke in the um like from McDonald's or something, you can literally see you know, sweat the bot the the bottle sweating from freezing cold water inside. Like the, the way we like it. I mean, I like it too. You know, I like my Coke freezing cold or other drinks. It it just feels so good, right? Mm. Um to it almost feels like ener- it's energizing. But it's also a shock to my system too. You know, especially if I don't drink it on a daily basis. I know this is not a conversation I'm going to win. So I'm going to, I've tried to have this before with Chinese folks. There's no way I can win this. But, but what do you, so Juliana, do you drink a lot of hot water? I do drink hot water, warm water. Mm. Um, it's interesting you said about the allergies, because in the States, mm. I didn't really drink. I wouldn't say I 
I had the habit of drinking ice cold water. My teeth are sensitive, mm. so I can't. But I definitely still have spring and fall allergies. Mm. And I, I've switched to fall allergy <laughs> for some reason. Drinking hot water, that's one of the things. And also, I just want to mention that um, it, it started in China actually for sanitation reasons. Um, it was just a way of mm. killing off the bacteria. bacteria. It wasn't like, yeah. you know, people just used to like to drink hot water. Well, I like I like it, too. I think it gives me energy and it's very soothing, right? Especially with tea. Um, but initially, that's why, you know, it's just to kill off the germs. Well, you know, for people who haven't been to China, what you notice is not only do a lot of people drink hot water, but if you like go, say, to a restaurant and they you're in the waiting area or if you're in a dentist office or whatever, they'll bring you a yes. cup of hot water. Mm, it's always yes. steaming hot water. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You feel like the paper yes. cup will melt. I was thinking of the hurdles, kind mm. of like thresholds, right? You crossed over. And one of the things I think I, I thought of was distance, you know, personal mm -hmm. distance. Yeah. Which I think is oh, yeah. pretty obvious, uh, let's say here in China. So I lived in the States for about like, what, over 10 years. Mm. And after I came back to China again, there was actually a little bit of, um, I would say, cultural shock mm. when, it when it comes to personal distance. Mm. Because here, you know, when... Let's say even when coworkers we uh, got together or neighbors, um, they come closer to you than yeah. you're used to <laughs> in the States. Yes. But mm -hmm. for them, it's very natural. Mm -hmm. And it's just a way of, uh, I, I guess the word is not solidarity, but familiarity. Yeah. It's to show that, you know, people are sincere, mm. right? They don't keep, they don't think of you as an outsider. And I remember at the beginning, you know, they sometimes they'll grab your hand. Or they would, you know, hold, hold your arm. Mm. And even now, like, you know, my neighbor, whenever she sees me uh, my direct uh, right across the street, she's like, oh, baby, yeah, or big sis, baby. And, and she would come over and almost like hug me. And she would talk with my arm in her arm. And at the beginning, I was like, oh, <laughs> a little bit too close. But now I'm used to it. Mm. Um, and I get it. And when I'm with my coworker, I'm, you know, if I haven't seen them for a while, I it's just natural for me to grab their arm and kind of hold on to mm. it just to show that I miss them. Mm. But I know that's one of the things that a lot of people might not feel comfortable with at the beginning. I wanted to mention queuing because it's the yes. same vein as what you're talking about. Because the, when I first arrived in China, mm. I would get in like a line. I, at that time, I didn't know how to even say anything like, well, yeah, Jaga. So I would get in line at McDonald's or whatever and mm. stand maybe you know, almost a meter away from the person in front of me. And then people would cut in front of me because they they assumed <laughs> I was not in the really? line because it was too far of a distance. <laughs> and so this distance thing it applies to all kind aspects mm. of life. So uh, I had to learn to stand, you know, only about eight or 10 inches away from the person in front of me mm. to indicate to other people that I was the next one in the line. I and that was uh, definitely a point of adaptation. Did you notice that, Jelena? Yes, definitely. Um, I, I'm i still not used to what Bebe was saying about mm. when coworkers grab your arm. I have coworkers who do that mm -hmm. or touch my shoulder. <laughs> right. And I consciously have to remind myself, don't move. Don't flinch. Don't move. <laughs> Right. <laughs> because my insides, I want to just immediately like move my shoulder away from them. But right. I know mm. they they just mean it's out of love mm. and out of care. Mm. And as for queuing, I, I I feel like I almost have 
had to become a little bit more assertive (laughs) when when lining up. Mm. Otherwise, people like Jason would say would cut in front or people would create two lines Mm. when there's only one line. And or if I'm at the counter, sometimes people, um, yeah, they're in a rush. They just come directly up in front and order. So it's mm. it's a different, it's very different from what it is in the States. Well, you know what I've noticed is that for people who come up to the front of the line, like if they're like an old mm-hmm. lady, I, I usually just let it go because I, I noticed that if it's a bunch of young Chinese people, they let that go. So I think it's one of the Chinese culture's things is to let elderly people just advance in yes. a lot of the queuing and, and things like, and yeah, so it's important to like just allow the elderly to kind of have their way. <laughs> oh, I I feel like that's also it's different. It's how they they respect elderly differently differently than we do back home. They show them they place them as very very important and every when it every aspect if it's like going onto a train or going onto the bus or even I was at the hospital the other day um they're always first, which that's actually quite nice because I don't think we do the same back home, at least in New York. That's not. Mm. Yeah, I think part of the uh, culture that I sense back in the States is that you um, you don't want other old older people to feel like, you know, they're old. Oh, yeah. Right. It's as if you you want to pretend that you don't see them as senior citizens. So like here in China, um, let's say you're on the metro, right, or on the bus and you see a senior citizen. You know, it's natural for me to stand up and give mm. them my seat. That's like, you know, uh, the thing to do. Um, but back in the States, I would literally sit there for the whole journey battling. You know, if I, I'm on the uh, <laughs> metro in New York and there's a senior citizen standing in front of me. Oh, like, you know, I sit there for the whole time thinking, shall I get up? Will he be offended or shall I sit back and. But he's so much older. I mean, his legs are tired. <laughs> and then, oh. friend of the sh- we we have a friend of the show named Morris Tway. He's not on today. You haven't met him, Jelena. Mm. But this gentleman, he's from Hong Kong, and he said, like, you know, okay, for well, let me give some context for people who haven't been to Beijing. In Beijing, on the subway, there are some seats that are yellow, and so the, uh, beside them, they say pregnant ladies and uh, elderly people, people with disabilities. You should give these seats up for those people. But in in Hong Kong, according to Morris. All the seats that are immediately adjacent to the doors, even they're not labeled. Culturally, it's known. You're supposed to give those up. Yeah. Wow. Which I, I find really, you know, yeah. nice because, you know, if you're a pregnant lady, you shouldn't have to mm. ask for a yeah. seat. And my cousin, um, even when she was not pregnant, <laughs> because she's a little, let's say plumber <laughs> with a little bit more protection around her belly. Mm. <laughs> and I remember one day she came back. We were living together uh, at one point of time. She was like, oh, someone gave up his seat for me <laughs> on the metro station. <laughs> she, she was kind of, she was totally okay with it, but she thought it was kind of funny. Um, and he was, she was like, huh, shall I just, you know, explain the whole thing <laughs> or no? Wow. I think she just sat down like really embarrassed (laughs) jelena when you go out with your friends here in china who pays the bill and could you tell us a little bit about how that's different here from elsewhere um typically we take turns um oh um, Mm. yeah we the last time i paid it's the next person and we just go around in a circle 
We have, we take turns. Yeah, it just depends. Or sometimes rock, paper, scissors is the determining factor. <laughs> have you have you ever had to fight for your opportunity to pay the bill? Or have you noticed this? I have noticed with some people. Usually, um, I've been to some business dinners before. More professional mm-hmm. people, they do the fighting. But with my close friends, we never fight over who pays the bill. <laughs> Are you living in an expat bubble or do you have a lot of Chinese friends too? I only have Chinese friends. <laughs> hey, that's great. So you are learning the ins and outs of like Chinese culture more or less, yeah? Yes, definitely. Okay, so um, bowing. You've lived in Japan. In Japan, bowing is more serious than China, right? Oh yes, it's very, very serious. I had to get out of the habit of bowing. Everywhere you enter a room, you bow. Mm. You leave a room, you bow. Before you eat, you bow. <laughs> You see your teacher, you bow. <laughs> yeah, I noticed that in, I lived in South Korea. There was a lot of bowing, too. I noticed there is bowing here, but it's less freak. It's like much less frequent and it's slightly less bow. You just bow a little like a nod almost. Right. So it does exist here, but not in, to the same degree that it exists in some other East Asian countries. Baby, what would you say? Do you notice that Chinese folks? You've been to Japan a couple times, baby. Right. How would you describe the difference between bowing in Japan versus bowing in China? I don't think we bow here anymore. Mm. We mm. just like shake hands. Bowing, yeah, but in Japan, they they definitely they bow all the time. Mm. And mm. Oh, I remember, I remember one time. It was the last time I was visiting Japan. This ties into respecting elderly mm. um, and giving up your seat, right? So my best friend and I, we were on the bus and uh, she was sitting down and then um, an older lady came up and she was all like nicely dressed and, and with makeup and everything. So elegant. And my best friend stood up to give her the seat. Mm-hmm. And of course, she declined and she was bowing and then we were bowing. <laughs> and then but we, we, we were insistent, you know, that she would take the seat. And so she did. And a few stops later, she got up. She stu- stood up and bowed to us. And we were terrified because like old people you know, don't bow to younger people, you know? So we bowed even deeper. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we were like, we were literally almost like jumped. <gasps> Goodness, she's bowing to us. So we're like bowing back and forth. <laughs> and eventually. <laughs> then, then the doors closed and she couldn't get off the train. <laughs> it took a little while, but you know, she was very grateful and we were like, you know, happily terrified. <laughs> and then she made her way down and, we were like, ooh. <laughs> so it was um, it was ha- actually a very polite and happy memory. Mm. Uh, a lot of bowing involved. Mm. And I, I like that part of the culture. It really shows people's respect mm. uh, to each other. And I think, you know, people maybe exp- express it differently. Um, but that should always be how, you know, we associate. There's something I maybe, maybe wrongly, I don't know. I associate with bowing and in China. So in the app, the WeChat app, there's another icon that doesn't exist in a lot of Western icons, and that is one hand is flat and one hand is a fist, and they're connected together. Oh. And when you do this in real life, you bow slightly. Right. And it, oftentimes you do this with older people or with your friends, sometimes in certain contexts. And so there is still this uh, hand together bow thing that does exist in China. Although I know what you both are talking about with Japan, because in South Korea, they do bow like all the way, you know, like 90 degree bows <laughs> and stuff. <laughs> Yeah, the hand gesture, that's a little different. That's almost, we take it almost like a kung fu thing. Because you see that in like kung fu movies and that's how they Mm. show their respect. You know, they kind Mm. of uh, drive one fist into the palm of the other hand. Um, But in real life, I guess we don't use it all that much anymore. Mm. Mm. Um, When we're texting, we use it to show our, uh, you know, appreciation. Mm. Yeah. (laughs) 
next one, Jade. So in China, a lot of, uh, especially I would say older generation, especially ladies, will wear a jade bracelet. Mm. And a lot of men and women, they'll wear like a little jade Buddha or a little jade pendant of some kind around their neck. Mm -hmm. Um, So I I haven't seen this as much in South Korea as I have in China. So it seems like wearing jade as a kind of ornament, jewelry, it seems to be very, very popular in China. Jelena, Mm. have you noticed that? Definitely. The thick jade bracelet that women wear and that I've seen those that they're not easily to... (laughs) put or to miss put on or take off oh (laughs) yeah yes and i just thought because jade was just popular here that's why people Mm. wore them i don't know i wore jade i'm not sure exactly Um, do you do you have one baby i do i think maybe i won't say most people but i do have one i don't wear them because i'm clumsy Mm. and i move Mm. you know when i type it is too clunky Mm. um and i'll break it but my mom, my aunts, like I think all my aunts, they have it. Mm. And but see, one thing we believe about jade is that it's not just we don't consider it just a piece of rock. Mm. So we think that um, for, for jade, it's more it, it has more spirit mm. than just like regular rocks. And uh, it's believed that the mm. jade will grow with you. Like my mom has this jade mm. bracelet, um, mm-hmm. the thick ones. Well, not mm-hmm. really thick, just normal size. And she's been wearing that for probably mm-hmm. two decades mm-hmm. or more and um over time the shape like you know there are white parts and there are the green parts yeah the shape was would change slightly and mm. it just it grows with you in a way mm. becomes uh, a part of you know i actually yeah. heard that from my aunt mm. so my wife's uncle's wife she gave me this a very small jade pendant when she handed it to me she said oh if you rub this after many many years it will be mm. greener i was like it'll really? be greasier so like I, <laughs> <laughs> so i haven't really noticed but i have noticed that like my wife does wear some jade and some of the jade that she got from this auntie mm. actually has kind of gotten a little greener mm, so wow. it's actually so I, i'm not sh- really sure why that is but it's almost like um well they are alive like everything is actually uh alive even rocks and you know trees it's just some, oh, like crystals and yeah stuff. some are more uh, alive than others like the spirituality of things are, are different and jade it's uh let's say it's just more uh alive than i don't know like my desk or a piece of regular rock uh it's the, the chinese word we use is ling qi. it has like more spirit into it mm. yeah um that's mm. that's pretty mm. much all that i know about it but it's popular <laughs> Well, I want to mention the next thing is ordering food at home often. Oh. And maybe, Jelena, you have left the United States more recently. So maybe I'm wrong because I left the United States in 2012. Mm-hmm. And at that time, mostly if you wanted to order food at home, it was pizza. And not a lot of other options ex- really existed for just ordering food at home all the time. But here in China now today, if I wanted to get anything from any shop in this side of Beijing, I could get it. Mm. So oftentimes my wife and I, we order food from home and we dinner at home or lunch at home from like online apps and it usually comes in like 30 or 45 minutes it's the same trend happening in the united states to the same degree that it is happening in china or by 2016 or is this more of a a chinese thing 
Um, when I left, it was still primarily pizza. You could order pizza or you can order Chinese food, mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, mm. American Chinese yeah. food. Um, and I remember there was one healthy food place that you can order from, but that was it. Mm. But after um, like years after, I re- I know my sister talks about Uber Eats mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and how mm. she's she orders from Uber Eats, and there's another platform that they use to order. So I think they're mm, mm. they're starting up. I'm not sure how many places they can order from or how mm. it works, but definitely here. That's one of the reasons why I'm still in China. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's so convenient, right? Very yeah. convenient. I'm I'm not too sure, like long term wise, how good it is for the environment. Mm. And how good it is for businesses like these uh, restaurants themselves? Because I heard that these uh, apps they charge the um, restaurant owners something like twenty percent. Wow! Or maybe even more. So for like a, a ten kwai bubble tea that you order, like two kwai goes to the app, mm. and then you know for the owner there's not much money to be made, and then there's the delivery fee. I don't know how they divide that up. But um, I don't know if, you know, long term wise, how that's going to survive. I agree with you because oftentimes it comes wrapped in plastic. It's a plastic container in a plastic bag. Yeah. So I do feel bad about that. But I've noticed that there are alternatives being developed. There's a company mm. in India that now makes cutlery and containers out of uh, biodegradable leaves. Oh. And it's actually pretty mm. cost effective for the to, them to do that. They're able to scale up. Then potentially we could be all eating out of biodegradable uh, materials in the future. Um, yeah, I mean, now uh, this year, especially, I see more biodegradable bags, plastic bags. They mm. feel different and they're mm-hmm. very, they're very strong. Mm. They feel different mm-hmm. from regular yes. ones. Yes, I do know those bags. Also, there's the the clock type bags as well are being used now. Those are biodegradable too? I'm not entirely <laughs> sure. I'm not entirely You know, can, can I share something silly? It's way off point, but sure. okay. A few years ago, we wanted to take my cat out for a walk because we were starting, our, our cat is a apartment cat. Mm-hmm. She doesn't get to go out. So we got a special leash for cats and we put her into this harness thing huh. and brought her outside. And two things happened. One, she was terrified of everything and tried to hide in a bush. Oh my God. But two, she was very easily able to get out of this uh, device, mm. which is meant for them not to be able to get out of. So I was, I was like, oh, okay. Never again, because I don't want to lose my cat forever because she runs away. Mm. So but those bags that Jelena is talking about that you get at the grocery store and they're like a kind of a uh, cottony, plasticky kind of feel material. Mm. I, I saw this on IG Instagram. You can cut a hole for the head and sm- <laughs> little small holes for each appendage and put the cat in the bag so that it's just plopped out oh of the God. bag. And then you walk around with the bag in your hand and they kind of like, you know, walk. <laughs> and there's no way for them to get out of this thing. The cat so. will be so embarrassed. <laughs> but there's no, it can't run into a bush because the, the leash is short because it's a bag and right. they can't escape because none of the holes are big enough. <laughs> you can actually tie like a longer string to the handles of the bag. So the cat will be still in the bag and be able to move. And then you can, you know, leash her in a way. I haven't tried this, by the way. way. I'm just intending to. <laughs> she, oh, goodness. She doesn't what a know. Sight. Yeah, she's probably, she should be scared, but she just doesn't realize. <laughs> you should make a video when you do that. I would like to see that. It'll probably be received with 
like mixed reviews. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll put it on IG for everyone. Animal rights or cruelty <laughs> or embarrassment or their psychological health. That's, yeah, this is, yeah. What do they call it? Uh, animal. What is it when you hurt an animal? I forget what it's called. Cruelty, cruelty, animal cruelty, cruelty to animals. Next, yeah. I'm going to offer one. Okay, this <laughs> I, I don't think you would think of this one, Jason. Mm. Um, this is like the ultimate test mm. of how <laughs> integrated you are into Chinese culture. Oh, yeah. Okay, let's have it. Yeah, and that is, I'm going to say the word in Chinese and see if you can reconnect uh, it. Uh-oh, that's it's hard. whether or not you wear chuku. Chuku. I wear it. You wear it. Oh, Delena, yo. Yes, of course. I I'm a, I don't like winter time. <laughs> I don't like the cold. <laughs> Jason is in the dark. He doesn't know what we're talking about. What is the chuku? Okay. Chuku. Chu means autumn. Ku, pa- pants. Ku means pants. So chuku, it's, uh, it's infamous. Well, the reason why, they are thermal layers, but they sound so nice as mm. thermal layers, right? And it's easy to understand. The reason why we make such a big deal out of chuku is because back in, let's say, when I was little, and we, we all had the same kind of chuku, uh, uh, and it's so ugly. <laughs> it's usually this, like, light brick color. Uh-huh. It's brick, you know, red brick, but it's lighter than that. Oh. And they're usually baggy. They're not, like, tights, right? So the, and they're cotton, mm. so um, they're not very stretchy. And if, let's say, a corner of it sticks out from under your pants mm. because there are one underneath your pants. You know, if you're wearing your suit, you have that underneath. I mean, it's <laughs> as ugly as it gets. <laughs> or if just a little part of it reveals itself. Mm, mm. But now, of course, we have all kinds of choku, right? It, these more elastic ones and the ones that fits really well. But it got its name <laughs> and how embarrassing it is because how they used to look. And another thing is because um, younger people, they don't feel mm. cold uh, as much. So, mm-hmm. But their parents think they're cold mm. and their grandparents think they're cold. So <laughs> when winter or fall comes around, like very soon in October, uh, grandparents will be yelling mm. at their grandkids to put on their choku. And the moms will be yelling at their sons and daughters to put on their, put on your choku. It's getting really cool. (laughs) Protect your knees (laughs) and joints in general. So it's become a thing, um, whether or not you wear choku, you know. And there's a saying that it's not that I'm cold. (laughs) It's that my mom thinks I'm cold. Mm. And that's why I'm wearing (laughs) choku. But um, like foreigners are known uh, to be really sturdy in winter times. And not only, you know, do they not wear choku? They wear like shorts in the winter time. <laughs> oh, I couldn't be that person. Yeah, no. Not in Beijing. In Beijing, minus fifteen degrees. No, <laughs> absolutely not. So I think that's one of the things. Jo- so Jason is not quite there yet. No, you know, I used to wear those back in the day. Um, my early few years in Beijing, I did wear those. Oh. But um, when I moved to Wuhan, there's no need to because. Mm. It's more southerly and it only gets to like minus two versus minus or 10 in Beijing 15, or minus 15. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, yeah. traditionally, let's say in both Wuhan um, and Beijing, because the case in Wuhan is that it's cold everywhere. You know, in Beijing, you can hide indoors and warm yourself up. But, mm-hmm. in, you know, a lot of places in Wuhan. They don't have the central heating. Yeah, it's cold. So what usually happens is that we wear the thermal layer, the choku. And then we wear a layer of knitted like pants. So think of uh, think of a sweater for your legs. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Okay, you got me there. I've made- definitely not passed this threshold. <laughs> made of like wool 
like back in the days, my aunt would knit the sweaters and like these kind of we call them Mao Ku. Mm. Mao is hair, so it's like hairy, <laughs> hairy pants. <laughs> oh yeah! Welcome to my stories of Chinese characters, season two. I'm Uncle Han Si. This season, we will travel to different destinations and experience the different sceneries throughout the year. This season, we will taste delicious foods. Delicious, how sure. Feel the delicacy of Chinese silk. Some people say that this is the world's first computer because each one of these is an instruction. And enjoy the local architectures. Yes, it's a big house. Chinese Guzhou. We will feel a sense of camaraderie on the slow train. And feel the excitement of the snowfields. Yes! 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 I'm Uncle Han Zi. This season, we will take you to see a different China from the perspective of Chinese characters. Meet us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and other major podcast platforms, or on our website, radio.cgtn.com. Listening to the bridge. I wanted to sort of switch this around and turn it the other direction sure. and t- talk about what it's like for Chinese folks moving to America and like what are things that are, they consider like whoa this is not the same and how do they adapt and how long does it take for them? So, Bebe, you moved to the United States immediately in your first six months. What kind of things had you noticed? that you had to like maybe change or adapt about yourself to be more suited to your new environment? Well, the first thing is you feel like there's nobody around. (laughs) It's like, where is everybody? (laughs) You see cars, you see houses, and once in a while, see someone like walking his or her dog. And like that, that's it. Where are things happening? Where are the human activities? <laughs> There's like no one to talk to. <laughs> and I remember I lived in Virginia for a few years and, you know, also in New Jersey. And I remember one uh, period of time I was living in Virginia and literally the most exciting part of the day was around 3 p.m. when the mailman came. <laughs> Nothing special about the mailman. It's just like, oh, another human. Wow. <laughs> and it wasn't like I wasn't in any remote place. It was, we were like an hour from D.C., Mm. so it was just normal, like, the suburb, right? Mm, mm. There was a supermarket across the street. There was like a little plaza, actually, but there was nobody around. (laughs) And I was bored out of my mind. I mean, I'm not even a very social person. That degree of disconnection was a little depressing for me. I have to. Now that you mention it. I remember thinking that for my first six months or a year here in China, really? that there was nowhere I could go where there wouldn't be someone. <laughs> right. Because I, I was thinking, like, if I went to the roof of my oh. building, there'd probably be like a guy there like right. hanging out. Or if I went to like the park in the middle of the night, there's probably people <laughs> kissing on the bench or like wherever I could go that I think that in America, people would just not be there. Mm-hmm. There would be someone. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking, you know, at that time, how kind of weird or awkward it was. But now that's actually kind of one of my 
reasons I would feel weird about moving back to America because I think I feel lonely. The last time I was in San Francisco, it was like in the middle of like the afternoon, like 5 p.m. And I was standing in downtown and I looked around and there was less than 20 people I could see looking in any direction. Mm. And I was thinking if I was like in downtown Beijing right now, there'd be like a a thousand people (laughs) in view. (laughs) I I guess for me, it's not that I really need to talk to anybody. Mm. It's the sense that there are people around. Mm. And actually, there's a term in Chinese, 人气. Mm. It's almost even the direct translation is like um, almost like human spirit. Mm. You know, you feel like this place is populated. Mm. (laughs) There's. You don't have to talk to anybody. Nobody ha- has to come over to talk to you, but you know you are among your fellow human beings. Yeah. But yeah. How, how, you know, how do you feel about this? Story? I have a different feeling. <laughs> I, yeah. I prefer to be alone <laughs> oh. and with less people. I actually went on vacation, was able to leave Beijing to go on vacation to Yunnan. And my mm. purpose was so I can be away from large crowds and a lot of people. I just wanted to be in a small place mm. with less people. However, however, <laughs> most people who went on vacation either went to Yunnan or Sangha. Yeah. That's how I felt. So right. there were still a lot of people, but still significantly less than in Beijing. I really enjoyed just small, small crowds or no mm, crowds at all. Like small. Jelena, I have a question, a follow-up question about that. So. You know, Beijing is like one of the 10 most populous cities on Earth. So if when you were choosing a city to come live in China, why select like a giant city? Actually, I didn't get to choose. Um, They told me I was going to go to Nanjing. And at the last minute, they said, actually, I'll be going to Beijing. Mm. But I mean, Disney, their their English program ended years ago and you're still Mm. here. Yes. That's only because out of comfort. (laughs) 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 One thing I do like about Beijing is that I, at least for me, I feel like I have a choice. Like if I want to be among people or to feel the presence of other human beings, you know, I can go to a mall mm. or I can go to like sunny tour, right? Where all the young, uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. fancy people hang out. Um, or if when I feel like I want a quiet place or there are plenty of quieter places to mm. be, um, or I can just stay at home. Mm. But the way I felt when I was back in, uh, the U S was that you know, I would have to really look for um, other mm-hmm. human presence. <laughs> and it wasn't just about the number of people surrounding you. It's about this, as we mentioned, human di- personal mm. distance. You know, it, I lived in New York. And even when I was in New York and there are people all over, all around, I didn't feel connected. Mm. It was harder to feel uh, connected with others. Mm. Um, you know, there are human presence, but it's like they don't have much to do with me. Right. And um, they don't want to have much to do with me because everyone wants to They're busy. They're busy and they like their personal space, which I do understand. I love my personal space, but it was a little bit like I, I just felt like I was caught up from a network, you know. I feel like it's the opposite in like okay, so I I lived in San Francisco for quite a lot of time, and people there do have what you're talking about, where they're like they want to not be bothered unless it's something important. Oh. But like where my mom lives, Oakdale, California, there are way less people. But if you see each other on the street, you're like, hey, how's it going? Right. That's, so mm. the small towns in America, I feel mm. like the smaller the town, the friendlier they become. That's absolutely true. Mm, I get that. Mm. Yeah. You actually have more opportunity to feel connected. With less people around. It's like, it's very like, 
ironic, I guess, situational irony. Mm, that's a good. That's a good point. Mm. All right, I, uh, I have a few more. Sure, absolutely. Please go. One for One is Chinese medicine. <laughs> I mean, like, mm. are you guys open for that? Like, last time I had Chinese medicine. It had like cicadas in it, <laughs> yeah, and other plants and roots. Hmm. Um, or, or is that so foreign an idea that I've had it all? You guys, uh, like, Chinese no. medicine, I've had all of every oh. kind there is. So I've had like acupuncture what? and moxibustion and cupping, oh. and I've dr- drunk the various different mm. kinds of teas for various sickness. Oh yeah, and I would, I would, I would do it all again <laughs> except when I got a specific kind of massage. They had integrated like cracking my back, and I have some problems with my back, so I don't let I don't let people crack my back. Mm. But other than that, I'm down for it all. What do you think, mm. Jelena? I wouldn't do it again. I tried the <laughs> the brown mystery <laughs> uh, medicine, mm. the herbal medicine. Mine also herbal has medicine uh skin <laughs> inside and all types mm-hmm. of tree barks and it was very bitter and disgusting <laughs> it was and they made me drink two packs a day mm. and mm. i only lasted two weeks i was like i can't i can't do this anymore that's pretty wow. good wow. yeah two weeks is pretty good but usually it takes longer like yes. for me they would give me for like a month's worth of the medicine yes and by the end of it it, it like Oh, you look at that. Well, have you tried acupuncture, Jelena? I haven't yet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I would be open to try. Uh, I would definitely be open to trying that. And other things like cupping, I have, cupping I haven't tried either. Mm. Uh, but I would be open to try that. Just I wouldn't drink that. I know. Herbal, herbal medicine anymore. <laughs> Never. The taste is, uh, you feel like you've tasted so many things, right? Yeah. You've, you've traveled and you eat food from all over the place. Right. But once you taste a Chinese medicine, you realize that there is still that we have a lack of imagination of tastes. <laughs> you you didn't know that things there would be things that would taste like this. <laughs> Absolutely. You're definitely no. not selling it, baby. Baby, what other things did you encounter in America that you felt were dramatically different from Chinese culture? I think mostly is because I did not encounter things. <laughs> I think in general, like people just minded their own business. They're nice people. They're very friendly. I remember, especially when I first arrived, everyone I met was so friendly, Mm. right? They would, uh, even strangers, they would smile at you. And at work or in school, people are all very polite. Mm. But then it kind of stops at that. And it's very harder. It's much harder to break through that barrier, like a stranger barrier. Um, it, it isn't just about breaking the ice, right? That's like really just get to know somebody. Mm. But when you be, want to become friends, want to become more familiar, um, and that gets difficult. And it's not just because of um, culture. It was also because of physical distance. Mm. I remember in high school, everybody lived far mm. apart. You know, you need time together to develop relationships. Mm. Um, and for me, I, I finally had a best friend in junior year for the first Two years, I was like this lonely nerd. Oh, no. (laughs) Yeah, because there is like, you know, I was learning the language. But in the third year, I finally, you know, found two good friends. And that made it so much more easier. But they lived far away. You know, if we want to meet after school, we would have to arrange Mm -hmm. it. Um, But here in China, you know, all through my school years, everybody lived in. We lived on the same campus. I lived in a university. And it's just, you know, walking distance. Mm. And that's so it's so it's so important for younger kids, especially. 
um, to have friends, to have time to be able to play together. Um, you know, it's good for our personalities and also social skills. So, yeah, that was part of the reason. Let's try yeah. reversing that with Jelena. Jelena, you live in Chaoyang District, which is the most populous right. part of Beijing. Do you find that it's easy for you to make new friends, new contacts in your network and associates? Um, it should be easier, but I'm also I'm pretty introverted, mm. so <laughs> I don't go out and try to make new friends. But my purpose to moving, my purpose for moving to Chaoyang was mm. to meet more people mm. because before for the past like four years, I lived in Feng Tai and there mm. was no one mm. oh. <laughs> around. <laughs> <laughs> and I loved it. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, really? I wait, so, wait a minute. How do you, you say you loved living in Feng Tai where there were less people, but yes. then you deliberately moved Chaoyang to, so you're, are you fighting against your own introversion? I'm trying to develop myself and I'm trying to conquer some of those mm. <laughs> challenges that I have with Meeting people, for example, I told I told Jason earlier, I mainly have just Chinese friends, mm. mainly because I don't go out and talk to a lot of non-Chinese people. Mm. So I wanted to move to Chaoyang and meet new people mm. and just explore. But as you can tell today, I'm at home <laughs> and I'm not planning on leaving. <laughs> I'm actually like that, too. Um, I, I think I'm an introvert. Like people don't believe me, but <laughs> I think it just takes us more time to recover. Like if I have to meet someone, actually, in most cases, I enjoy uh, talking to people. But then when I come back, you know, I need a few, maybe a few more days, <laughs> a to few days, compose myself, exactly. to calm down. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> it depends. Like if I go to, if I have to attend like a big party or something, it gets very yes. draining. Yeah, it, it drains your energy, and then I need to like sit right here wow you know on my chair <laughs> by my desk and then i it's like i'm charging my experience is so different from that because like, you're an extrovert probably. well i don't yeah. know because i'm not really an extrovert because if i go to a big party eventually i'll get exhausted from all the people and then i'll mm. go home but if i go home i take a shower and i put in like pajamas after i sit down on the sofa for more than 30 seconds I'm reach. I'm I'm good again. Wow! Ready to go out again? That's amazing. <laughs> I know. 30, 30 <laughs> minutes is like. Ooh, I'm just like calmed my breath. <laughs> I need a day and a half. Just at least wow. a day and a half. Yeah. Yeah. So see, that's like actually one way of defining introverts and extroverts. Mm. How much recovery um, time do you need? <laughs> yeah. How you charge yourself? Mm. Some people like. Well, I once had a a radio partner. Um, he was an extrovert. He's like, I charge myself at parties, mm, mm, mm. Uh, whether or not I know those people. And for me, that's like, wow, like if I have to be among so many strangers <laughs> in close distance, uh, it, it, it's almost terrifying. It's, it will be very exhausting. As a yeah. Chinese person, can you travel from Beijing to Guangzhou and have culture shock and notice that the culture there is so different that it's like you notice um, it? I will. Well, the la uh, last time I went to Guangzhou, let's say I went there in winter mm. so i had i went there for an event like i was hosting the event so i went there in my mm -hmm. thick coat <laughs> and after i got up the, the airplane and got on like the taxi i i was like in another world mm. by the i was stripping like all the way <laughs> on the on the taxi by the time i got to the event location i was like in t-shirts <laughs> <laughs> It was actually so hot. It's just a weather and thing. It's a weather, weather thing. The food is a little different, but not too different. 
uh, people is the same people. people are- <laughs> yeah, I don't think culturally or, you know, human interaction wise, there was anything that was shocking to me. Julian, the same kind of question. When you've traveled, when you lived in New York and then you lived in North Carolina, did you notice like cultural differences that stood out to you? <laughs> oh, definitely. <laughs> there, it's a whole different country down there in the <laughs> South. <laughs> They're very different. Um, a lot of behaviors, like Bebe had mentioned earlier, New Yorkers are pretty much focused on themselves mm-hmm. and and very focused, don't care about anybody else. Towards the South, though, more towards the South you get, the nicer people get, the more open they talk mm. to you in the stores. Mm. One day I was looking for some shampoo and somebody came and asked me how my mom was doing. <laughs> and, wow. and I was starting to worry. I'm like, oh, I should know who this person is. And, and I said, oh, she's fine. And they said, okay. And they walked away. It's it very strange. Mm. And there's also language. Mm. We're, we're all speaking English, but they have a different accent than mm. I do. So my first experience with not being able to completely understand what's going through a McDonald's drive through mm-hmm. <laughs> and they asked, well, what do you want to order? And I told them my order. Then they said something back to me. Mm. I assumed that they were repeating my order, mm. uh, but they weren't. But I just said, yes. <laughs> and then <laughs> I went up to the window and I they asked me if I wanted to double the order. Mm. But I didn't understand that. Ah. And so I just bought more than what I intended. (laughs) Yes. Totally. Definitely. (laughs) Wow. Yes. It's some of the, some of the, the way they speak, it's very different, but after living there for a couple of Mm. years, I'm used to it. I'm still get I still get tickled when I hear mm. a nice southern mm. accent though. You know a niece. But. She must be exactly what you're talking about. Well, hello yes. there. How are you? <laughs> is that your what your niece is like? There's a, a lady we both know named uh, an Anise, uh, and she's uh, a southerner. When she uh, talks, she's always uses the like friendliest words and always uses extra sentences to lace what she's saying mm. with like pleasantries and things. And very slow. And Drana, hey y'all, how are you guys doing? <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, I guess the pace is different, right? In New York, everybody's rushing right. to somewhere else, and they probably don't even have the patience to, you know, finish listening. Yes. Thank you for coming on the show, Jelena. Please listen to our show next time, where we connect East and West. No problem. Thank you for having me. Oh, thank you, Jason. Thank you. Thank you, Jelena. That went by really fast, and hopefully, we'll have more opportunities in Definitely. the future to get together. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Bye. Thank you, guys. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.